So, continuing to read from the great treasury of Western thought by Mortimer Adler in our East-West Dialogue. Um, today I wanted to uh, look at, uh, at psychology and uh, I wanted to begin with its, uh, its, its founding fathers. Uh, so I'm reading something of uh, Sigmund Freud. This age of childhood in which the sense of shame is unknown, seems a paradise when we look back upon it later. And paradise itself is nothing but the mass fantasy of the childhood of the individual. This is why in paradise men are naked and unashamed until the moment arrives when shame and fear awaken, expulsion follows, and sexual life and cultural development begins. Freud interpretations, interpretation of dreams. Hmm. Okay. Um, we can see that Freud is, is simply dealing with the uh, with life in this current current body and uh, and that's where it begins begins uh, Freud is not asking any uh, any questions about the origin of man or uh, Freud is simply dealing with the state of the mind as we find it in the human condition. And that, of course, is, is something, uh, if we put that in dialogue with, uh, with a Vedic perspective, then things are, uh, are different because the Vedic perspective sees everything in relation to the, it's to the, the origin of existence, which is the Supreme Lord, and sees that the living beings are eternal spirit souls, parts and parcels of the Supreme Personality of God, a chitkana, little spiritual sparks of consciousness, which are part of the greater fire, yet are distinctly individual. Uh, never was there a time. Uh, 
Where was there a time when I did not exist, nor you, nor all these kings, it says in the Bhagavad Gita. So that is the situation. The soul then exists eternally as a separated part of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That's the first premise of Bhagavad Gita. Then the soul gets involved um, with the material energy. And then the natural functions of the soul, which are to become, to be uh, engaged in an intimate relationship of service with the Supreme Lord, uh, become covered. Naham prakasa sarvasya yogamaya samavrita avrita. And one will not know about one's relationship with the Supreme Lord. That's where it begins. So, uh, Freud, um, Freud begins with the living being in this material world who's already covered. Uh, he begins to use his biblical uh, example of paradise. He's already out of paradise. And he is man who is from outside of paradise looking back at paradise. And let's just look again what he says. The, this age of childhood in which the sense of shame is unknown seems a paradise when we look back upon it later. Yes, well, yes, it is uh, shame uh, is then experienced as a natural, as, as a negative emotion, as an emotion that is uh, limiting. And, and then if we're looking at the, at the child, which is just uh, spontaneous and whatever whatever is is rising to the surface from its consciousness um, that that is that the child is expressing and this and this this purity uh, this is is standing out the child who is has no pretense no shame no pretense no facade but who is just completely naturally uh, itself or him or herself. Yeah. Okay. But there is also the other side of the child, that child that is in, in darkness, in the darkness of, of ignorance, that child that doesn't know and that child that needs protection and otherwise, because it has no idea about uh, what's going on in its environment. And that child that then has to uh, constantly be saved by parents who are supervising, be careful, no, 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 not too close to there. No, watch out for the road. No, 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 not too close to the water. No, 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 don't, don't watch out. That's, that's a machine. No, 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 yeah. Constant supervision is required. Um, so, 
to idealize childhood is uh, is not so uh, is 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 an, is an imperfect situation. Um, shame, yes, all right. So if there's no shame, yes, then uh, then what will be the result? Um, in the sixties we had a cultural revolution. Uh, the, uh, the cultural revolution of the hippie era, hippie era. And it was about uh, dropping out, yeah, drop out of main society, mainstream society, which imposed uh, a lifestyle upon us, which imposed morality with upon us which imposed shame upon us and which was against natural uh natural processes and just restricting that by imposed social behavior and to throw off all those restrictions like uh, john lennon uh, john lennon he uh he got into this uh, this idea of, uh, which was part of the spirit of the time, that sexuality is a normal human uh, a normal human matter, and it should be uh, it should not be uh, restricted. It it can just be appreciated for what it is. Um, and why would there be a need to uh, to uh, yeah put restrictions on it? Then uh, he sang this uh, this he wrote a song and it was called uh, Why don't we do it in the road? Yeah, and uh, and he asked the question uh, why this. Uh, why are we hiding our sexuality and why are we ashamed of it? And uh, when Prabhupada met uh, John Lennon at Tittenhurst in his, his residence, then uh, there were uh, photos, like large photos of himself and Yoko being naked in various poses and embraces and whatever. And uh, all based on this philosophy. Um, then if we put that in the perspective of a, uh, of a, of a spiritual culture, uh, spiritual culture is seeing that spirit is, is, the, is the self. That is the true self. The soul is the self, and the body is a temporary vehicle. Then it sees material existence as a unholy alliance between the soul and the body, which is limiting the soul from its original blissful state. Then spirituality is offering a spiritual process 
to tap in to the original blissfulness of the soul, then and and which is in connect in connection with uh, the supreme Lord. So it is trying to reestablish the relationship between Krishna, or between the living entity, and God or Krishna. Yes. Now. Uh, Freud is not uh, bringing that into the picture. So the spiritualist is, is seeing his existence in the, in the body as uh, not a very um, ideal situation. <clears throat> the spiritualist sees, yes, there is the sexual enjoyment. Yes, there are other types of enjoyment uh, by eating through the tongue or... Or, or arts and so many ways to enjoy. But at the same time, uh, uh, the spiritualist, the Bhagavad Gita is pointing out to us there's happiness and distress in this world uh, and how to get around that. So that is the first thing that... Uh, Bodily existence and identification with the body as the self causes suffering. Yes. And then there's enjoyment and suffering. And then there's just... Uh, and the enjoyment, is, it goes two ways. One is, there's just things that cause straight suffering. Then there's thing that, things that cause, give us enjoyment... But because it's temporary, then after the enjoyment is gone, then we feel we've lost something. No? So in this way, even the things that we enjoy also cause suffering. Yes. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says, the material world is a place of dukalium asasvatam. It is a place of suffering and everything is temporary. Yes. So yeah, in, the, in that context, uh, what is the point of shameless expression? Um, it, uh, it is clear that, uh, that Freud's objective in life is the material objective, is material happiness. And, uh, and of course, Bhagavad Gita thinks that that's an impossible task. It's an impossible goal to achieve. It cannot be done. Yes, it is an illusion. So in that sense, we would reject. And saying, yes, paradise then is not, as Freud is saying, just, uh, here it is, I'll, I'll just read his words. And paradise itself is nothing but the mass fantasy of the childhood of, of the individual. Yes. So now paradise has become a projection of that shameless childhood stage. And that's why we're naked in paradise. Okay. Um, the biblical uh, state of, uh, of paradise is uh, is one thing
I will not uh, let, we, we don't approach spirituality from the Bible. We're not going to be limited by, uh, uh, by a biblical uh, parable. But what we're saying, there is a pure state of consciousness which is, is based on the relationship with the Supreme Lord. And in that pure state of consciousness, one is engaged in service to the Supreme Lord. And one is uh, not preoccupied with, uh, with enjoying the body. Um, it's rather the enjoyment comes from pleasing the Supreme Lord. And there is a greater transcendental satisfaction. This is the happiness of the saints. Uh, like uh, to go cross-cultural, I think that uh, if we look in any tradition in the world, we find saints and these saints are unique in that they have a, um, an inner state of happiness that is not affected by anything external. And that is wonderful. That is really a very, uh, yeah, something that has always puzzled me and attracted me, the, the saints uh, and their, their inner happiness that is not disturbed by anything external. Uh, but that inner happiness exists in the relationship with God. And then they are above the external and uh, the uh, ups and downs of material life. Oh. And uh, then enjoying the body becomes uh, very secondary. Um, so true spiritual life is not about denying oneself the, the pleasures of the flesh, but true spiritual life is rising above the pleasures of the flesh and, and seeing them as limited and petty compared to the depth of the pleasures that are experienced in the relationship with God. And saying the happiness that is experienced on that spiritual platform by far, uh, by far exceeds anything that is possible to experience in this material world. And that is why such great saintly personalities then uh, will remain there. They'll get the, what the Bhagavad Gita calls the higher taste. Uh, all right, so that was a uh, beginning with, uh, with Freud. Uh, now let me go to Jung and find something that Jung has brought out. Carl Jung. No, not there, huh? Okay, but then we'll just quickly search him on the internet. Carl Jung. Quotes. I mean, Carl Jung was certainly uh, a very 
deep and, and thoughtful person who uh, said many things that were uh, that were very uh, important. Uh, like, for example, here's a quote from Carl Jung. Uh, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. Okay, well, that is a very, uh, that is very good. Uh, in the mode of ignorance, one will say so many things. Hmm? The mode of ignorance is about dreams. Uh, we'll see people who are smoking too much Maria, uh, they become uh, they become dreamers and they'll do this and they'll do that. But to come to this point where we say you are what you do, not what you say you'll do, is obviously a very uh, powerful statement. Uh, hmm. Then let's now go to something that is uh, also interesting. A man who has not passed through the inferno of his passions has never overcome them. As far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light in the darkness of mere being. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Okay, let's begin with that. A man who has not passed through the inferno of his passions can never overcome them. So that is, uh, yes. Um, in, um, in the Vaishnav tradition, we hear that there are that man learns in three ways. One way is by, by hearing, another way is by experiencing, and the third way is even if he hears or even if he is experiencing, he still doesn't learn. Um, <clears throat> so, a wise man um, can by can cultivate higher knowledge from scripture and dedicate his life to that. Such a wise man doesn't need to pursue all kinds of passions. Now, Jung points out, a man who has not passed through the inferno of his passions has never overcome them. So yes, one will give up the the passions, one will give up uh, running after material enjoyment, lusty activities. Um, but one will, uh, and one gives them up, but one will internally still feel attraction to them. So Jung is addressing this point. Uh, uh, one is not yet 
materially exhausted. Um, if a person has, has tried to pursue uh, all kinds of uh, material passions, uh, then uh, whether that's in sexuality or in intoxication, whatever may be. Uh, and if a person reaches his limits in there, finds the, uh, the pitfall of it, his mind was focused on, on the dream of enjoying these things. But then when he tried, he just encountered uh, suffering and so many difficulties and finally realized that it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. And he's gone through it. And after suffering the pain, he can really say, goodbye, I'm done with this. All right. So this is the second state of, uh, of learning. And he's gone through the, uh, as, as Jung calls it, the, the inferno of his passions. And now he can say goodbye. Yes, this, this is there. Uh, but then again, uh, at a later stage in life, uh, the, the passions can still come back in another form. Uh, because even if one has gone through the inferno of the passions, one is not safeguarded from uh, again becoming attracted to such passions. Yes. Uh, only, uh, only if there is a is is really a higher engagement. Yeah. So this higher engagement is is what we what we need to have. Yes. Then we can uh, can do it. Okay. Just give me one minute. I just need to refill my cup of tea. Artemisia and supposed to be very healthy. So straight from the garden. So I'm trying it out. To boost the immune system. Yeah, it tastes okay. Mm -hmm. So anyway, back to uh, back to Jung. Um, So, as far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light in the darkness of mere being. So, again, I think uh, Jung is, is, uh, is addressing the topic of growth and the need that uh, for uh, for man to grow in, in, in uh, at least through the three modes of material nature. Uh, the Vedic, the Bhagavad Gita establishes sattvagun, rajagun, tamagun, goodness, passion, and ignorance. And that goodness, 
is what we is what is elevating us. So Jung is calling at least for activities of goodness, which include activities of cleanliness, activities of mercy, activities uh, compassion, uh, activities of tolerance, uh, activities uh, being prepared to take austerity for a higher goal, and uh, you know to to control the senses, to control the mind. All these kind of activities are uh, so to bring about a certain amount of self-control. Um, so <clears throat> Jung recognizes uh, that we go from a lower self to a higher self. Uh, and we can see uh, we can see the two within us. The lower self is there. And the higher self is there. And it, it depends what we do with our human life. We can uh, engage in the lower self. Um, these are the base instincts, right? Or we can pursue the higher self. And when we are uh, pursuing the higher self, then we try to improve ourselves. So Jung is calling. Uh, for uh, yes, for that that growth, that moral growth, that spiritual growth. Once you come to the relationship of uh, of uh, of the uh, yeah of 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 making a relationship with spirit, uh, with the supreme Lord then it starts to go beyond the mode of goodness. The meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there's any reaction, both are transformed. So this is is, is again uh, something we can relate to. The meeting of two personalities is like the contact of two chemical substances. If there's any reaction, both are transformed. Yes. Yes, so, so you know, as chemical substances, uh, some react more, some react less. Uh, the reaction or is called rasa. Uh, in, it is rasa. Now, there is mundane rasa and there is spiritual rasa. But between different living beings, there is some experience of rasa, of, of um, a certain taste, a certain mellow, a certain juice, or as, as Jung puts it, a chemical reaction. Mm. The ultimate rasa comes in in relation to uh, with Krishna right? with the Supreme Lord there once uh, full rasa is explained and this is what it's about it is about this rasa so yes therefore it is very interesting in the nectar of devotion it is it is said that a devotee um, uh, or any individual 
will only know, can only, as, as one can only see himself by the light of the sun, in the same way we can only know ourselves in the, re in the relationship with the Supreme Lord. So any reactions that are taking place between us and other living beings, between us and an environment, uh, each create a different personality. Uh, so they affect our personality. Uh, there's a transformation in a place, there's a transformation in relationships. Right. And so we change place to, to feel different. So uh, we are, uh, and, and it, it can have a profound effect. And so in the relationship with other human beings, we can also grow and, and bring out a profound, a, a profound transformation in ourselves. But the real transformation, the is is happening in the relationship with the Supreme Lord because there we are whatever relationships we're experiencing in this world goes on life after life sometimes up sometimes down and in life after life we are experimenting in relationships in material relationships and never getting a constant level of consciousness. But when we enter into the relationship with the Supreme Lord, then our level of consciousness, the transformation can be a permanent transformation and that will grow and grow and grow and grow. And that is the real relationship. Therefore, the relationship with the Supreme Lord is the real relationship and then the real transformation can take place and we can become free from the temporary covering. All the material relationships that we have create a temporary covering, a temporary state of consciousness. And now I'm here in this male body and I'm a man and I am, uh, and I'm now here. Uh, I am, you know, I'm, Personally, I, I was born in the Netherlands. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a country of of hardship. Uh, the uh, it says uh, uh, Luptor et emergo in the uh, one of the provinces. There is a uh, in the weapon. There is this anthem which says Luptor et emergo, which means I will struggle and emerge. Uh, it is about the battle with the sea and how the, uh, a nation that has fought itself, right, uh, out, of the, uh, out of the natural elements, right? So uh, this, this, this spirit is there uh, in the, uh, in the minds of the people. In me also. That's a current covering. Uh, that's a current covering. That <clears throat> and uh, some <clears throat> transformation that has come about, like due to the chemical reactions that I have with this 
male body that has been that appeared in Holland right? and uh, and where our ancestry is is one uh, related to the to the sea my ancestors were owning ships and were uh, sailing to uh, uh, to England to bring coal from Newcastle and to uh, bring it to various places like Scandinavia or or back to Holland or whatever so in this way uh, we have uh, uh, all these things are part of the temporary uh, identity that we pick up as the wind picks up the scent of a particular field so the wind becomes transformed by its connection with the field but then as the wind keeps on blowing it loses it again so this is all these temporary identities uh, and uh, and then but we are speaking about the real transformation the eternal identity so I thought that was interesting um, so I, I liked what these, these quotes from Jung, I appreciated them. Um, let me see if I can find something from Maslow. No, also not there, but I can certainly again find Maslow here. Uh, Maslow is, of course, uh, very famous for his uh, his uh, pyramid of of needs and uh, and uh, uh, he speaks about first we deal with our our uh, basic physical needs, then we can go for fulfilling. Uh, higher needs like like uh, you know first survival then enjoyment and then uh you know more refined enjoyment and so on and, and you know sensual mental intellectual until we get to he what his top stage is uh self-actualization yes so yes okay uh that is that is uh, that is certainly there um I'm not going to explain his uh, his uh, uh, his his pyramid in this talk. I mean, I don't think uh, if you plan on being anything less than you're capable of being, you will probably be unhappy all the days of your life. Yeah. So that is a is a, is a is a statement we will completely underwrite. Yes. Now, capable of being means we are capable to be a lover. We're capable to love everything. And until we are at stage of loving everything, um, we will be unfulfilled 
And, and so, therefore, Lord Chaitanya is known as Viswambar, the maintainer of the entire universe, who will give everyone love of God. Because when we have love of God, then we can love everything. Uh, because everything is, is his creation, his energy. It is all going on. Whatever we receive, the entire world is going on under his direction. It is part of his greater plan. So when there's love of God, then one can also take a loving role in the entire plan of the Supreme Lord, in the entire arrangement of the Supreme Lord. And then we're talking, this is what it's about. So, uh, so therefore we agree with Maslow, but we want to take it, uh, Maslow then is talking about what a man can be, he must be. This need we call self-realization, yes. Uh, but real self-actualization is, of course, is is has to to be about about God. Yeah. So we feel that he's there. He's approaching the absolute truth, but uh, he just doesn't take the full step that real self-actualization then means to dedicate one's life to God, right? Um, if you compare that uh, with like a philosopher like uh, Pascal, and then uh, Pascal in, in his pensée, uh, in his thoughts, he is uh, pointing out that there is, there is nothing, um, nothing that can uh, offer fulfillment other uh, than, yeah, than, than one's relationship with God, that is a, so. That is a is a deeper, a deeper, more spiritual vision. So, in in this way, uh, we think that uh, psychology is is certainly uh, valuable, but it must uh, always be connected uh, with Krishna, as Prabhupada was saying. In this world, each, many things in themselves are zero. They have no value. If psychology deals only, uh, as Freud describes it, with the, uh, with the mental state uh, that we are currently experiencing in the human condition, and if psychology deals only with an uninhibited expression of the human spirit um, and and then then what is the value then we have positive psychology as a as an aspect of psychology which has <clears throat> which recognizes moral values and values of the mode of goodness um, so in, uh, in positive psychology, shame would have a place, right? In, in uh, for example, there are clear activities that are abominable. Right? I mean, causing suffering to others is abominable. 
uh, children engage in abominable activities like uh, stamping on the ants uh, and, and killing them, enjoying for a moment one's power, right? that one has this empowered power and one can just kill these little creatures. Right? And, yeah, stamping on the ants, stop that, hey, what are you doing? No. Uh, so you should be ashamed. Why are you killing uh, all my child? Uh, don't do to others what you don't want. You don't want to be killed. Then they don't want to be killed. They want to live. You also want to live. Don't abuse. Be kind. You want them to be kind to you. So we need to educate the child. We need to teach the child moral values. And there should be shame if there are such activities. Uh, should, then shame is a healthy, healthy element. Uh, Jung speaks about uh, improving ourselves in, in a quality in life. And, and, and that the goal of life is to grow. That is wonderful. And, and Maslow is also pointing out that if we are performing below our level, then we'll never be happy. And so that is very good. So uh, Maslow is calling for idealism. <laughs> and idealism is something that we need in spiritual life. Uh, so Maslow's statements uh, are good, that we should try. We should try to be the best we can be. And, and if we are not the best we can be, that will never be satisfied. I appreciated that. And uh, with that, uh, I'll end our short, uh, well, maybe I won't end, actually. I just have a quick look because I have a book here. Uh, <clears throat> and I could just make a few comments on this book, but I have to first open it up. The library. Ta -ta -ta -ta. It's, a, it's a simple book. It's called The Psychology Book. Big ideas simply explained. Okay, uh, where are, are we? There is a reasoning soul in, in this machine, René Descartes, uh, in approach, mind-body dualism before. Fourth century BCE, Greek philosopher Plato claims that the body is from the material world, but the soul and mind is from the immortal world of ideas. Fourth century BCE, Greek philosopher Aristotle says that the soul and body are inseparable, the soul is the actuality of the body. After 1710, in a treatise concerning the principles of human, 
knowledge. Anglo-Irish philosopher George Berkeley claims that the body is merely the perception of the mind. 1904, in Does Consciousness Exist? William James asserts that consciousness is not a separate entity, but a function of particular experiences. Hmm. All right, so this is, this is interesting. <clears throat> yes, Plato, as we can see, is, uh, is, claims the body is from the material world, but the soul or mind is from the immortal world of idea, has a spiritual origin. So that is still uh, a more ancient knowledge that uh, Plato accepts from predecessors. And uh, he has, uh, he is echoing, and we see uh, how uh, in the Greek culture, uh, the influence of Vedic culture is present. Um, and how the concept of the eternity of the soul remains. Um, okay, Aristotle is saying the soul and the body are inseparable. But then again, Aristotle is also thinking that if there is something that continues to live after this human existence, then it after existence, then it can only be the human soul, not the animal soul or plant soul, because they are just basically concerned with primitive needs. But man's soul can look for for higher goals and higher values in life. So if anything continues to exist beyond this body, then it can only be be that. So he sees the and there comes the, the root of the soul of human beings are eternal, and animals don't really have a soul. They have some sort of biological uh, existence. Yes. Uh, 1904. Uh, and then we get later philosophers. Uh, okay. The body... Then George Berkeley claims that the body is merely the perception of the mind. Well, you know, we have a lot of people who are speaking about uh, the psychosomatic causes of diseases. Ultimately, uh, it is. Karmana daivani trena. The body is attained by karma and by a divine arrangement in relation to that karma. Yam yam vabhismaram bhavam charati antakalevaram. Whatever state of being that we have attained at this, uh, at this stage of life, that will carry us forward to a next body. So uh, from Bhagavad Gita, we can relate to this, that the subtle comes first and then the gross. William James asserts that consciousness is not a separate entity, but a function of particular experiences. All right, so... Uh, now consciousness is then a uh, is is simply uh, created by the external circumstances. However, that raises the question: Are we tabula rasa? Are we like a blank slate when we begin? And of course, uh, the Vedic culture 
will uh, will say no denus minya tadehi komanam yovanam jara tatadehantara praptir diras tatanamuiti no life after life we we are changing our bodies and we are carrying with us the mind from previous life and with that the mental impressions from previous life are still present in the in this life but now working in the subconsciousness and so uh, vedic literature also recognizes subconscious but in a different way than in psychology uh, rather it sees the subconsciousness is first of all carrying the impressions of a previous life and then additionally agreeing with psychologists uh, some of the current uh, experiences of this life can also continue to uh, to influence us from the subconsciousness. Uh, so we can see how uh, how various philosophers and psychologists are dealing with matters that relate to real substance, but the complete spiritual dimension is is not understood and that real happiness and real self-actualization that real growth and that real uh, being free from shame has to be or real paradise level of consciousness is found in the relationship of pure devotional service with Krishna, where our interest is no longer separated from the interest of the Lord. And so we can be free of shame, free of, of any negative emotion, and just be a positive conduit, a positive via media of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is the most wonderful state of consciousness, which is called Krishna consciousness. Thank you very much. Srila Prabhupada Kijai.